Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Part three, the only sin God won't forgive and 21 other things you didn't know about sin. Essentially, it's 22 facts about, about sin. So if you missed uh, one and two or you have some questions, it's probably covered on the first two broadcasts and we finish it up today. Good morning to you. Hope you enjoyed those, uh, those miracle testimonies. I love those. From our, uh, most of them are from our, our outdoor meetings. Hey, Anna. Good to see everybody. Eric, Bob, Ninja, of course. You're our favorite. Drea. Um, YouTube, Facebook, the app. If you, if you would, don't just comment. Let me know where you're watching from. I always enjoy that. Good to see you, Sarah. All right, let's get into it. Today's very important, uh, uh, a very important concept to understand about sin. So we pick it up on number 16. Deuteronomy 28. I'll give you a second to turn there. Deuteronomy 28, verse 15. Maine in the USA. We're in Maine. I lived there for a while. Pretoria, South Africa. Not a bad place. McAllen, Texas. Rio Grande Valley. Deuteronomy 28.15. The only sin God won't forgive and 21 other things you didn't know about sin. Part three. Very important. Deuteronomy 28, 15, but if you refuse to listen to the Lord your God and do not obey all the commands and decrees I'm giving you, then all these curses will come and overwhelm you. What is sin? We already defined it. Sin is willful transgression against the law of God. Hey, Pastor Mike, good to see you. So the Bible says if you don't obey God, if you willfully transgress against God, all these curses will come and overwhelm you. And I want to be very clear on this. It doesn't say that God didn't say, if you don't obey me, I'll curse you. It says, if you don't fully obey me, all these curses will come. In the Hebrew, don't zone out on this part. In the Hebrew, there is no causative tense and for the rest of Deuteronomy 28, there's no causative tense. What do I mean by that? Sometimes it depends what Bible you read. They'll, they'll translate it, I will send this, or I will curse you, or I will put this on you. In the original Hebrew, God never said he would put it on you. It reads the way it was translated here in this verse throughout the chapter. If you refuse to listen to the Lord your God and do not obey all the commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come and overwhelm you. They come on their own. So this is number 16. Sin attracts a general curse in life. Sin 
attracts a general curse in life. Book of Proverbs says, righteousness exalts a nation. Sin brings a reproach. Sin attracts a curse on its own. The wages of sin is death. It doesn't need any help from God. If I start to do uh, crystal meth today and I die earlier than I would have died, God didn't kill me as punishment for me doing crystal meth. The crystal meth can do it on its own. If you start doing heroin, God doesn't kill you for doing it. The heroin does it on its own. If I stand in the ocean water and waves hit me and get me wet, they didn't need any help from God. Where I chose to stand got me wet. And if you stand off the path of righteousness, you are making a choice to stand where the waves of curse flow. If you think God sends sickness and curse, it'll screw your faith up. Your faith won't work right. God is entirely good. And the devil is entirely bad. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights in whom there is no variance or shadow of turning. He never varies. He never changes. He's a good God. The God is a good God, and the devil is a bad devil. If you refuse to listen to the Lord your God and do not obey all the commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come, not might come, will come, and overwhelm you. Your towns and your fields will be cursed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be cursed. Your children and your crops will be cursed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be cursed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be cursed. My number one motivation to not live in sin is to not go to hell. My number two motivation to not live in sin is I want no part of the general curse that comes on your life if you live in sin. And, you know, I don't know if anybody would argue against my, this point in Christianity, but if, you, if you've lived for any period of time, you know it's inarguable. When people live outside of God, there's a curse. And it can manifest in a variety of ways. Some people, it attacks their money. Some people that live outside of God have plenty of money. But their wife's chasing them outside on Thanksgiving night with a five iron, slamming, uh, and they go to escape in their car and crash it, and the police have to get called. So there's no peace in the home. You live in a, a mansion where your wife wants to kill you. And the Bible, actually, it would be super depressing to kick off the, the day reading this, but the Bible outlines very specifically verses 15 
to 68 is the curse of the law, and it's very specific. Deals with your children, deals with your, your spouse and your marriage plans, deals with your home. It deals with your money. In fact, the majority of the curses listed here deal with your money, your production. If you don't live for God, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, but Christ has redeemed us from all the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. So this curse that's listed, for it is written, cursed is everything that, that hangs on a tree, that is hung on a tree. Deuteronomy 15 to 68 is the curse of the law. So everything that you read here, Christ uh, exempted you from it. So everything you read here, you can read after it, I'm exempt through Christ. Now I step outside of Christ, I'm finished. But in Christ, I'm exempted from all these curses. Because Christ has redeemed us. He didn't just die to forgive us of our sins. He didn't just die to break the power of sin. Part of his death was also to break the curse of the law and nullify any effect it could have on me. These things are now a list of what's not permitted in my life. But if you live in sin, this is a roadmap for how your life's going to go. Verses 15 to 68. If, so 15, if you refuse to listen to the Lord your God and do not obey all the commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come and overwhelm you. Your towns and your fields will be cursed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be cursed. Your children and your crops will be cursed. The offspring of your herds, I tell you, that would be a major motivation to live for God, is the curse gets on your children, and they don't play any part in it. If you don't serve the Lord your God, your children will be cursed. That's what the Bible says. It permits a curse to come into the home. And you have little five- and six-year-old children that never made a choice, but because of the rebellion of their parents they don't know the blessing they know the curse whatever hardships you had growing up in life your children never have to know those hardships if you'll simply make a decision to serve the Lord My mother and her sisters came from nothing. And when they began to make choices to serve the Lord, they've all prospered. They're all light years ahead of where their mother and father were. Children in the ministry, their children are doing well.
Look at verse 45. If you refuse to listen to the Lord your God and to obey the commands and decrees he has given you, here it is again, all these curses will pursue you and overtake you until you're destroyed. I want you to write that down. Curses pursue. Curses pursue. Did you ever have a friend who lived in sin and their life bottomed out in your town? Everything went to crap. So they moved to New York or California, Texas, and within six to 18 months, they had recreated their entire life that had crapped out wherever they moved from in a new location. You cannot outrun a curse. You can't move away from a curse. These curses will pursue you until you die. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 13, trouble chases sinners, blessings chase the righteous. <laughs> Man, I don't know. Obviously, I've done my best for the last 20 years, but I, I, I don't know what I have to do to sell you on living for the Lord. It's the, it's the greatest. Did you know I just went to a church service? On a, on a Friday night, it was somebody else's service. I sat in the last row up against the back wall, made no announcement that I was there, did everything in my possible, in, 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 my, uh, in my power, to slip in and slip out. Came late and left when I could. Did you know two people came back to me during the service and said, I wanted to give this for you personally. One a check for 1000 one a check for 2000 I made $3,000 doing nothing. That's a month's pay for many people. These blessings, trouble chases sinners, blessings chase the righteous. I didn't give out a challenge. I didn't stand up in the back row and challenge people to give. I didn't stand up in the back row during the service and begin to teach on honoring the man of God. They find you. The blessings find you. If you're tired of trouble chasing you around in life, No, what happened? Uh, scroll up on the app comments. What happened, uh, Charles? Tomarella. I, I don't know what happened to him. L let me know. I'd be interested to, to know. Um, People would think this is an oversimplification. But I'm telling you, if life is continually going wrong, something is askew in your obedience to God. Because according to the scripture, I don't want to hear about your Aunt Karen or whoever. According to the scripture, 
If you obey God, you will always be the head and never the tail. Always on top, never at the bottom. And if you disobey God, the Bible actually says, you will be the tail and not the head. You will be below only and not beneath. Below only and not above, sorry. And that actually understanding this scripture is what gives you the fortitude to resist the devil. Because if the, if the thief comes against you, now, now remember this, and I'm not intending on teaching this today, but now that we're already uh, 15, 15 minutes in, it doesn't matter what I was intending, so I might as well finish it. If life is going continually wrong, there's a problem with your obedience. The devil is a thief. Thieves, by their nature, don't respect the law and try to take what isn't theirs. So listen to this now. Just because the devil doesn't have a right to steal your health doesn't mean he won't attempt. He's a thief. So the Bible says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Actually, the first part of the verse that, I, uh, that rarely gets quoted, and I almost didn't quote it, factors into what we're teaching. Does anybody know? We'll see who the first one is that can get it. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. But there's a first part to the verse. What's the first part? The second part is resist the devil and he'll flee. What's the first part? That's right, Lloyd Joshua. Lloyd Joshua, it sounds like a Nigerian name, it might not be, but I would, the fact that you're Lloyd Joshua and that you were the first to answer makes me, makes me think you might be watching from Nigeria. Great people. Submit yourself unto God, therefore, brethren. Resist the devil and he will flee. If you're not submitted to God, you can resist all you want. You're going to get killed. Submit yourself to God. How do you submit yourself to God? Primarily, submit to his word. Obey my teachings. Obey my word. Hearken unto my voice. It's not rocket science. You get into the Bible like we're doing now, like you, like you do with me for 60 to 90 minutes Every more, that this is key time, and the word straightens you out. You hear things when you read the Bible or have somebody preach it to you that it, it cuts you. Oh, I'm not. I, I need to improve on that. Submit yourself unto God, therefore, brethren. Resist the devil, and he will flee. What gives you grounds to resist? The enemy's trying to steal your health? No. Health problems are part of the curse. I'm not under the curse. 
Satan, take your hand off my, my body. I'm scriptural for this to happen in my life. I'm not living in disobedience to God. I'm living in obedience to God, and therefore I'm entitled to the blessing, not the curse, according to the word of God. Hey, St. Louis, see you next month. It's unscriptural for this to be happening in my life. Hey, we don't have enough money uh, to pay the bills this month. That's not scriptural. I rebuke that. I command whatever is jerking with my money to lift its hand. I'm a tither. I give offering. I don't have run out. I have overflow. So whatever this is, I command it to clear up now. Because if you don't know the Bible, then you just accept whatever happens. Well, yeah, we don't have, you know, but, you know, we just choose to be faithful to the Lord and he'll sort things out. No, you'll die. You take a stand on God's word and you resist what the devil's doing. Deuteronomy 28, 1 to 14 is for the righteous, 15 to 68 is for the wicked, and you're living on one side of that chapter. And whatever side you choose to live on, the stuff from the other side is not allowed to happen. I'm not under the curse. I'm blessed. Because I chose, to, and I choose every day, to obey God. What's part of the curse here? For the sake of time, I'm not reading. I mean, it's already 1140. De Deuteronomy 28, verse 58. If you refuse, listen to this, Deuteronomy 28, 58. If you refuse to obey all the words of instruction that are written in this book, and if you do not fear the glorious and awesome name of the Lord your God, then the Lord will overwhelm you and your children Again, it switched from permissive to causative. So let me read it correctly. If you refuse to obey all the words of instruction that are written in this book, and if you do not fear the glorious and awesome name of the Lord your God, then the Lord will allow you to be overwhelmed, you and your children, with indescribable plagues. These plagues will be intense and without relief, making you miserable and unbearably sick. I want you to write that down in the comments. Write unbearably sick. Unbearable sickness is part of the curse for disobedience. You will be afflicted with the diseases of Egypt that you feared so much, and you'll have no relief. You'll be afflicted with every sickness and disease there is. So I want you to notice, if you have a Bible like mine that says the Lord will afflict you with every sickness and, and plague there is, according to Hebrew scholars, there is no causative tense in this chapter. So it's not the Lord will afflict you, it's the Lord will allow you to be afflicted. Just like the Lord, if I stand on Interstate 95, will allow me to get hit by a truck because I chose to stand there. But he didn't do it. The whole thing is precipitated by me refusing to obey him. 
Hey, guys in the control room, see if you can find a clip for me. It's a man rescuing a sheep from, from a, like a, a, a small ravine. And he pulls the sheep out, like at great difficulty, sets it free, and the sheep runs full speed and jumps back in the ravine. It's like the perfect picture of how God must feel. Uh, on YouTube, a commenter said, does this apply only to those who believe in him? What about those people who don't believe? It applies to the human race. That's the motivation to get the gospel to the whole world. If you never heard about God or Christ, so you were exempted from the penalty of sin, then the best thing we could do is never tell anybody about God again. But there's only one remedy, and the remedy's Christ. All of mankind is under a curse, the same curse. That's actually one of the most amazing things in, in traveling and preaching the gospel to other countries is you find out everything's the same. It's the same devil <laughs> doing the same thing in all the nations. And it's the same, same Jesus when you preach him that sets the people free. They have it? Good to go? Watch. Good job, guys. Back to me. Now you know why we're referred to as sheep in the Bible. All we like sheep have gone astray, each one, each one his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Christ took Because that's what God has to do. How many people, now you don't have to be like that. I'm not like that. I got pulled out of that pit in 1984 and never went back. But how many people do you know <laughs> they get delivered, yanked out of the pit of sin, set free, and they, in their freedom, run straight back to where they got set free from. Play it one more time and keep me on the side. I mean, jumped headlong. He didn't fall. He didn't fall in. He jumped in. Head first. Yes, for the second time, all who don't believe will be affected by the plagues. There's no exemption. Every human being lives in one, in, in one side of Deuteronomy 28. You're either under the blessing or you're under the curse. Jonathan, will all, those, will all who don't believe also be affected by the place? Yes, anyone who doesn't serve the Lord. Do you know, I think most people think that 
well, if somebody doesn't know, then, then God lets them off the hook. It's not God letting them off the hook or not letting them off the hook. The only protection from these curses is the blood of Jesus. If someone doesn't know the gospel, then they're under the curse. Because What do you think the devil says? Well, they, they haven't actually had a fair chance to hear about Christ, so we'll just chill with the curses. No. Look at nations that don't have the gospel. Look at what nations were like in the 1800s and early 1900s that had never had anybody come there and preach. They were pagan hell holes. And the gospel transformed those places. That's why the Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And I, I think, no, I'm glad you brought it up because judging from the few people who go into world missions or evangelism or the ministry in general, I don't think people think, you know, it's, like, it's almost like, well, if you find out about Jesus, that, that's almost like an extra thing that helps you out in life. You know, you can live good, and then Jesus will help you live. It'll be like whipped cream and a cherry and sprinkles. Or Jimmy, sorry, Jay. That, that, that'll sweeten the deal. No. Outside of Christ, there's curse and death. Inside Christ, there's blessing and joy and peace. And there's none of those things outside of him. And that's a motivation to get the gospel to people. That's why the Bible says how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel. You will be afflicted with all the diseases of Egypt that you feared so much. You will be afflicted with every sickness and disease there is even those not mentioned in this book of the law until you're destroyed. So that leads me to number 17. Number 16, sin brings a general curse in life. Number 17, sin and sickness are related. They're Siamese twins. Like salvation and healing are the Siamese twins of the gospel. Sin and sickness go together like twin brothers. They travel as a pack. Michael said, is it acceptable to leave your immediate family behind when you're the only one serving God as the Bible says and the rest of the family doesn't? Ask Abraham. It's not never okay to leave your wife and kids behind. But it's your mom and dad, and, you know, why do you think Jesus said, blessed are uh, anyone who's given up mother or father or sisters or brothers for my sake and the sake of the gospel? It's par for the course in, in nations of the world that if you get saved, what do you think happens to somebody that gets saved in Iran that renounces Islam and serves Jesus Christ? You think their family's like, you know what, that's good that you're, you know, you're branching out. And, oh, no, their people's own family will hire people to kill them. It's only, you know, that, 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 that was a fuel to my frustration and people shutting churches down in COVID in Europe and South Africa and Canada and America as it showed how soft people had become from the luxuries afforded us in, in, in our nations. 
that it actually doesn't cost you anything to serve the Lord. And for the first time during COVID, it was going to cost people something to go to church, so they shut it down and just did what, whatever was required to not have any persecution. In other nations, you realize when you serve the when I make a decision to make Jesus Christ my Lord, I will, they will attempt to kill me, and I'm going to do it anyway. I'm telling my husband, but he does not want to believe in Jesus. Stop telling him. If you keep nagging your husband to believe in Jesus, he's going to divorce you. Pray for him and be a great wife, and God will send somebody else to win, to win him. You won't be the one. And that's not just you, that's everybody. Settle that you're not going to be the one to lead whoever's close to you in your house to the Lord. If the Lord surprises you, let him surprise you and you be the one. But pray for them and love them or you will ruin the relationship. Nobody gets saved by somebody badgering them to go to church. And it doesn't work like that. It's a spiritual thing. It's not winning a debate. Number 17, sin and sickness are twin brothers. Numbers 25, verse 1. Turn there with me. While the Israelites were camped at Acacia Grove, some of the men defiled themselves by having sex with local Moabite women. These women invited them to attend sacrifices to their gods, so the Israelites feasted with them and worshiped the gods of Moab. In this way, Israel joined in the worship of Baal, of Peor, causing the Lord's anger to blaze against the people. The Lord issued the following command to Moses, seize all the ringleaders and execute them before the Lord in broad daylight, so his fierce anger will turn away from the people of Israel. So Moses ordered Israel's judges, each of you must put to death the men under your authority who have joined in worshiping Baal of Peor. Just then, one of the Israelite men brought a Midianite woman into his tent right before the eyes of Moses. <laughs> Bad move. And all the people, as everyone was weeping at the entrance of the tabernacle. When Phinehas, son of Eliezer, and grandson of Aaron, the priest, saw this, he jumped up and left the assembly. He took a spear and rushed after the man into his tent. Phinehas thrust, thrust the spear all the way through the man's body and into the woman's stomach. So the plague against the Israelites was stopped, but not before 24,000 people had died. What did the 24,000 people do? They died. From what? Having sex outside of God's plan. It brought disease. It brought a plague on the people. But that was just back then, right? There's certainly no disease that's ravaged the whole world from people not obeying God's instruction on sex now, right? There's not like 38 of them, right? That are never cured, can only be suppressed. We need to find a cure for AIDS. There actually is one. You actually could wipe it out in one generation if people would clean the freaking wax out of their ears and listen. We need, we need to find a cure for AIDS. No, why don't you just say what you mean? We need to find a way to continue to rebel against God and not have any consequence for it. That's what abortion is. 
Abortion is the choice to sacrifice a life so that you can live outside of God's laws of sexual instruction. You never heard a married couple in your life have an abortion. You know, we, we, I found out my wife's pregnant. We already have three kids, and we, we had already said we're going to stop at three, so we're going to have this one aborted. You never, you know, it's not that. It's, it's man whores and women whores going out, getting pregnant, and, and, and deciding, I'm not ready for this, and so I'll kill the child. That way I can, I can continue to live the way I want. Now, if they isolate that sound clip and play it somewhere, they'd say, boy, boy, is he in- insensitive. Well, you can call me whatever you want, but one thing you can't call me is incorrect. I'm not wrong. People actually need abortion. No, they don't, actually. What about rape and incest? Yes, that, that's why there's Planned Parenthoods in every uh, inner city, black community and Hispanic community, because of the high degrees of people getting raped and impregnated while being raped. Smoke some more crack. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. Good scripture. Psalm 38, 7. For my loins are filled with a loathsome disease, and there is no soundness in my flesh. So sin brings sickness, and specifically sexual immorality is a defilement. The Bible, doesn't the Bible say in 1 Corinthians 6, why does any man join himself to a prostitute? For other sins that you do affect other people. But when you, when you do that, it's a sin against your own body. It brings a consequence. It's like if I have outbursts of anger are a sin. If I get mad at somebody and punch them in the face, I hurt them. If I have sex with a prostitute, I hurt me. Then the Lord said to Moses, verse 10, Numbers 25, 10. Phineas, son of Eliezer, and grandson of Aaron, the priest, has turned my anger away from the Israelites by being as zealous among them as I was. What did he do? He took a spear. There was a guy having sex with a Midianite woman, and he ran into the tent and put the spear through both of them. What did God say? You know, tell Phineas he needs to chill. He said, actually, what Phineas just did turned my anger against the people because he's as zealous against sin as I am. You don't hear that much in America, do you? And definitely not in Canada. That scripture probably has never been read in England since the 1800s. What are you saying, Jonathan, that we're supposed to kill people who sin? No, but the same zeal Phineas had against sin. You don't, in the New Covenant, we don't kill people for sin. Jesus was the sacrifice. But the same attitude that he had against sin is the attitude you should have against sin. You shouldn't disagree with it. You should hate it. You know, yeah, I know. I do think that that is wrong when people... No, you, you missed it. The Bible says, love what is good, hate, not disagree with what's evil, hate what is evil. 
You'll never get delivered from a sin you're not disgusted with. You have to hate sin. You should make it a prayer point today. Father, keep a burning hatred in me towards sin. Not sinners, sin. Learn to hate alcohol. Learn to hate wild parties. Learn to hate sex outside of marriage. And the television programming that turns you on to it. A holy hatred for sin. Now tell him that I'm making my special covenant of peace with him. In this covenant, I give him and his descendants a permanent right to the priesthood. For in his zeal for me, his God, he purified the people of Israel, making them right with me. The Israelite man killed with the Midianite woman was named Zimri, son of Salu. You only live once, but shame lives forever. Here we are reading this guy's name <laughs> all these thousands of years later. Zimri. Notice that's not, not, never a popular name amongst Christian parents. Hey, Aaron Jefferson, son, did you decide what you're going to name him? We're going to go with Zimri. You remember the guy that uh, had sex with the Midianite temple prostitute? We're going with Zimri. The leader of a family from the tribe of Simeon. The woman's name was Cosby. you got to be kidding me. The lady that was in sexual sin's name was Cosby? Why, well, it's almost like prophetic. Hmm. Did they find any Jell-O pudding pop wrappers in the tent? She was the daughter of Zer, the leader of the, <laughs> that's insane, the leader of a Midianite clan. Then the Lord said to Moses, attack the Midianites and destroy them because they assaulted you with deceit and tricked you into worshiping Baal of Peor and because of Cosby. <laughs> Be careful what you name your kids. And because of Cosby, the daughter of a Midianite leader who was killed at the time of the plague because of what happened. A plague roared out against the people of Israel from sexual sin and killed over 20,000 people. Number 17, sin and sickness go hand in hand. see what Dake has to say about it. Evidently, the plague of verse 9 had already broken out in the camp, and the more godly were gathered at the door of the tabernacle to weep when Zimri committed this outrage.
Sin and sickness go hand in hand. Deuteronomy 28, Numbers 25. John chapter 5. Go and... Uh, what did he tell the, the crippled man? Je Jesus went back and found them and said, Now you're better, so stop sinning, lest a worse thing come upon you. Stop sinning, lest a worse thing come upon you. That's what Jesus said. Deuteronomy 28, Numbers 25, John 5. People don't want to address that. I mean, you have Pentecostal denominations that get mad if you say, you know, these faith teachers say that un unbelief causes sickness. Yeah, it does, actually. And it, it ensures you'll never get healed of it. It's in the Bible. People don't ever want anything to point to them. That's why I'm dealing with sin. Sin is the root of problem. Sin brought problem on the earth. Sin will bring problem in your life. There was no trouble in the Garden of Eden until sin was introduced. Then, then, then you, in, in a handful, in a short period of time, you have a happy family go from a happy family in a garden to one brother killing another brother from sin. People don't want to, you know, the devil's attacking. Boy, you'll be astounded at when you start making choices to obey God's word, how the devil magically stops attacking. You have to give place to the devil for him to attack. I don't care what anybody says. That's what the Bible says. Give no place to the devil. You have to give him a place. That's why Jesus said, the prince of this world is coming for me, but he has nothing in me. He can't take me. Let me ask you a question. If the devil could kill whoever he wanted, why aren't, why aren't I dead? If he can just attack when he wants, why isn't all my money gone? Why isn't my ministry building burned to the ground? When you serve the Lord, he puts a... It's one of the lessons from the book of Job. Job was the most righteous man in all the earth. Satan said, I want to take him out. God said, go ahead. He said, I can't. Write that down. I can't. For you have put a wall of protection around him, his family, and everything he owns. And that was, two cov that was at least two covenants ago. An inferior covenant. Far inferior to the one we have through Christ. Hebrews 8, 6, we now have a better covenant through better promises. I don't, praying about the devil is for people who live in disobedience. I don't, he, I don't have to pray about him. Though your enemy attacks you from one direction, I will make him run from you in seven without you praying about it. That's what the word says. Think of this. Jonah was a prophet so anointed he could turn a whole pagan city-state to God in 40 days, uh, in 40 nights. But when he was on a boat headed in the wrong direction, when he was running from the will of God, when he was in disobedience to God, he was so cursed 
that even the heathen people on the boat said, you have a problem. Same guy. Everything comes down to your decisions to obey God or not obey God. Can we get to a place where Satan cannot attack us? Yes, salvation and obedience. No wonder, you know, I'm just going to start repeating things like a thousand times. I don't, I don't know how that question can get asked with what I'm saying. I don't know how I can be more clear. He holds them securely in his right hand, and the evil one touches them not. If you live in obedience with God, you're unassailable by the devil. Unattackable, undefeatable, undestroyable. You live in, you heal the sick, you don't get sick yourself. I violated every COVID regulation there was last year. I traveled the, through the entire thing. I laid hands on people through the entire thing. It seems like I was always in wherever the flare-up was. I was preaching. Every time I was preaching somewhere, I was up north when it was heavy up north. I was in the south when it was heavy in the south. And here I am. I'll order my angels to protect you wherever you go. Obey the word. Obey the Bible. Somebody explain to me after how what I told you, how you can have a generational curse operating in your life. I want to hear it. I want to hear why all these Christians go to get free from curses. When you can't be cursed living in obedience to God. Obey God and watch. I don't care what curse it is. Generational. Witch doctor induced. I don't give a crap. You cannot curse who God has blessed. Obey the Bible. I just need prayer because me and my girlfriend. No, you, you don't need prayer. You need to change your lifestyle. You need to get full of the Holy Ghost and be empowered to obey God. Obey the word. The golden key to a life of victory. You listen to me. Full obedience to God's word exempts you from the keep me in prayer Christian population. Full obedience to God's word takes you out of the keep me in prayer population of Christians. Just keep me in prayer. Something's wrong. And if you don't like that and you think it's too strong, you can listen to literally any other ministry in the West. Sickness is not allowed to magically come into you. Jesus redeemed you from every sickness and disease there is, even those not mentioned in the book of the law. That's what the Bible says. I don't care. I don't care who disagrees with the Bible. The curse causeless shall not come. Does the Bible say that or does it not say it? Let me find where it says it.
Proverbs 26, 2. As the bird by wandering, as the swallow by flying, so the curse causeless shall not come. We'll make that our theme scripture for today. Proverbs 26, 2. The curse causeless shall not come. That's not hard to memorize. Proverbs 26, 2b. That's our memory verse for today, Sunday school students. The curse causeless shall not come. If there's a problem, there's an open door. Something has to attract the curse. Some disobedience has to attract the curse. And I know that'll make your head spin if you're an American, that there's actually things you can do that bring a negative consequence. Not everything is somebody else's fault. I know it's a tough pill to swallow if you're born in the United States, where everything that happens is somebody else's fault. I'm poor because of Christopher Columbus. I struggle because of slavery that happened uh, 150 years before I was born. Nothing is my fault. So it's a tough pill to swallow that your choices actually are what determines your life. But it's true. The curse causeless shall not come. Does the Bible say anywhere that if, if you make these choices, uh, then all these blessings will come and pursue you? But then in parentheses it says unless you're black or unless you live in a nation with systemic racism. Does it say that? Or does the choice to obey God actually make every opposition force against your life bow out? Regardless of race, regardless of nation, are the richest ministries in the world in America or in Nigeria with a 400 to 1 exchange rate? So don't tell me your government matters or as far as that's concerned. I don't, if they put Satan and his demons in the White House and the Senate and, and the House of Representatives, if I choose to obey God, you cannot, you can't harm me. You can throw me in a lion's den and the lion's mane will be my pillow. And when it's all said and done, the ones that made the plan against me will get fed to them instead. That's the Bible. I don't care what color you are. I don't care if your dad was the worst dad in dad history. I don't care if your mom was scum. Doesn't make any difference. As soon as you choose to obey God, everything begins to turn around for your good. Can I tell you something? As you choose to obey God today, I see everything turning around for your good. I see everything the devil meant for harm bowing out and the blessing overtaking the curse. That's what I see for you. The devil, the devil thrives in an environment of ignorance and misinformation. Generational curse. I, um, how many know some of us, even though we're saved, we still have generational curse? Where? 
Where is that in the Bible? That the blood of Jesus sort of freed you, but then there's these other things that you have to go to a prophetic conference to get freed from. Tell me where that is. I want to know. I've read it quite a few times. It ain't there. You made that up. He who the Son sets free is absolutely free. The end. No prayer required. I'm free. I need prayer for freedom right now as much as I need a lawyer to help me get out of jail. I'm out. I'm not, I'm not kind of in. I'm out. You got to be daft in the head biblically to go to, to go to stuff like that. Have people discern what generational curse you have and give me a break. Stop making excuses for your own behavior. Get saved. Get born again. Quit glorifying the devil. I mean, how many of us operate under generational curses? Oh, yeah. There's a realm of demonic power that actually can supersede the blood of Jesus over my life. Kiss off, you liar. I'll tell you how you know it's a lie. All the same people are back at the Get Free from Generational Curses conference the next year and the year after that. You prevail by obedience to God's word. Write that down. I prevail because of my obedience to God's word. I'm in God's house. I tithe. I get, I'm not a rebel. Listen to me today. Take yourself out of the company of rebels. That argue about the tithe, argue about the offering, argue about whether you actually have to meet in a building to go to church. Argue about everything instead of just receive what God said and act on it. My thoughts are not on par with God's thoughts. I know God said to do that, but then, um, you know, right now I don't have a job, and so I need the money that I have. I can't tithe. Yeah, keep, keep, think, keep using your little squeaky brain to stay poor. Obey God's word. Jonathan, but you're saying sickness can come from disobedience. We have sickness in our family. We, we do everything that God said. Oh, yeah? Have you gone to the church and had the elders of the church anoint you with oil and pray in faith for your child to be healed or you to be healed? Uh, no, our, our church actually, um, we talk to them about that. They don't do that. Well, then you're not living in a, you, you picked a great church, didn't you? Do you ever think that maybe the fact that you've decided to join yourself underneath leadership that doesn't believe in healing possibly could have an effect on you and your family. Examine your choices. Why do you go to church where you go to church? Did you ever make a choice? Or, well, you know, we live here, and then uh, my mom went to that church, and she, she would be devastated if we didn't go to that church. Okay, then live that way. You don't... You don't 
Use your brain. Use this thing God gave you here. It, it's a huge asset in life. I was in a denomination that started to take a stance against healing, and I left. I'm not staying there. Because I was there. Well, my grandfather was in that denomination. Six, yeah, back when he was in it, they believed in healing. Now they don't. They've changed. I'm out. You start mocking the Holy Ghost and mocking the blessing of God and speaking against prosperity, I'm out. I won't even wait for the service to finish. I'm gone. I won't stand there. I won't stand there any more than I'd go to a club. You're, you live where you live. You know, where, where I live. Why do you live there? You're free. You have an 80-year run on this planet. Do it the right way. Well, you know, where we live, there are no... Then live somewhere else. Things are not complicated. Make changes. Quit disguising... Your disobedience with please pray for me. When things aren't working out, examine why they're not working out and leave the devil out of it. We do quite a bit for the Lord in this ministry. We don't have problems with the devil. You know why? I know our positioning. I know his positioning and I know my positioning. We are not equals. I can't get attacked by him any more than I can get attacked by an ant in my house. Does the ant have power? Some power. It can carry crumbs. They can do amazing ant things. If it gets in my way, it gets stomped. Shame. Shame on every charismatic Western church that taught people that problems in life are because there's random attacks from the devil and we can't have any number, then one day we'll be in it. No, if you obey me with all your heart, every time your enemy comes to attack you, he'll come in one way. I'll make him leave in seven. I'll slaughter him for you. You won't see him. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. Without your permission, I'll just do it. Let me attack Job. Okay, go ahead. I can't, for you have put a wall. I've wanted to. Trust me, if I could have by now, I would have. But you have put a hedge of protection around him, his family, and everything he owns. That's what the Bible says. Satan himself could not touch Job until the hedge of protection was removed, and that hedge of protection cannot be removed in my life. Job was justified by his own works. I am justified through what Christ did. I never, the way Satan gained access to Job, he can never do to a New Testament believer. There is no prayer that cures disobedience. 
Not one. I can't obey God for you. If there was one thing I could do, but I can't, I would obey God for you. Or I would at least, I, I, I guess what I can do is I can lay hands on you or through teaching, attempt to impart a passionate obedience to God and his word. That's why I stayed open. That's why I attempted to sue our attorney general in our state to keep churches open. If God said to be in his house, you can kill me. I don't care if you, $5,000 fine, I don't care. Make it, why don't you make it a $5 million fine? I don't care. Why don't you make it the death penalty if anybody crosses the threshold of that church during this pandemic? I will walk through. Put the gun here and pull the trigger. See if I care. I have made up my mind. I will obey God. And whatever consequences you tell me there are for it, you can kiss off. Heat the fire up hotter. Put hungry lines in. Don't care. I'm a God man. God in the morning, God in the afternoon, God at night. I don't serve God when it's convenient. I'm a book of Acts Christian. So the curse causeless shall not come. Three examples of failing curses. Number one, Balaam's curse on Israel. Nehemiah 13.2. Number two, Goliath's curse on David. 1 Samuel 17.43. Number three, Shimei's curse on David. 2 Samuel 16.5-12. Boy, that would be a good sermon to preach on failed curses. That there were professional cursers who targeted somebody that was walking in obedience to God, and their curse came back on them. You can't curse who God has blessed. And you can't bless who God has cursed. I could pray for you from now till Jesus comes. If you won't serve the Lord, you're going to fail. My prayers can aid you in the decisions that you, that, that you make, and they can empower your good decision-making. But a rebel can't be prayed out of the consequences of his rebellion. You have to leave the, the, the um, pigs and come back to your father's home and stay in your father's home and obey your father. Anything the Lord has pricked in your heart while I've been teaching that you need, your, it's a gray area. It's a thing that brings lukewarmness in your life because you're sort of doing it less, but it's still kind of a part of your life. Get rid of it today.
Get rid of it. Be let today. Make a clean break. You don't get free from sin over time. You get free from it all at once. Be delivered. I want you to close your eyes and lift your hands. I normally don't, don't pray for people on this broadcast, but I'm going to do it today. Kushte I curse in Jesus' name an American, Canadian, European, Western church, lukewarm spirit, indifferent spirit. I curse it. I, 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 I resist it in Jesus' name. In my own life, may I never become spiritually lazy, spiritually dull, spiritually indifferent, spiritually lukewarm, spiritually passive. Put a fire in my heart today, Lord. Let the fire burn ever brighter for you. In Jesus' name. I repent of timidity. Give me more boldness to speak the word as it should be spoken. Engulf me with a hatred for evil and sin. In Jesus' name, put a passion in me for righteousness. In the name of Jesus. Drive weakness out of my spirit. Drive it out of my mind. Drive it out of my body by the Holy Ghost. Thank you for a strong body. Thank you for a strong mind. Thank you for an extremely strong spirit. In the name of Jesus. Give me a disgust for the things of this world. A repulsion. A repulsion. A re May I revile them in my spirit. May the things that are of the devil and that are of sin never, never look attractive to me. May I hate them like, like rotten food in Jesus' name. As you choose to serve the Lord today, all these blessings will come and overtake you. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. Your children are blessed in Jesus' name. I see many homes today where the children have suffered under a curse. As the cause of that curse has been removed today, the child begins to prosper in their mind, in their favor with God and man. In Jesus' name. I see the black cloud leaving your home. In Jesus' name. Every curse that's operated through the generations of your, 
of your family dies in your home today. In Jesus' name. You'll attract good things and you'll repel bad things. Your life from today will no more be a magnet for trouble. Your life will be a magnet for the goodness of God. I want you to commit your life to the Lord today, those of you that haven't or that once did and your life is weak today. I want you to make that commitment right now. Pray this out loud where you are, even if you're at work or whatever. Pray this out loud. Heavenly Father, I admit that I've sinned, but I repent. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness by the blood of Jesus I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, let me know that you did. Write in the comments, I did. I want to see who I prayed with. And then please go to revivaltoday.com and click I just got saved. Greetings in Amsterdam. Tim, is that the Tim that translated for me when I preached there or a different Tim? Awesome, Vin, welcome to the family. Please go to revivaltoday.com and click I just got saved. Fill that out completely. Awesome, Jody. Awesome, Devin. Awesome, Eddie. Fill that out completely, and I'll send you a Bible and other materials I produce to help you live the Christian life. Proud of you. Welcome to the family. I'm glad, Mr. Bear. Awesome, Choi. Ah, you are my translator from Amsterdam. I miss you, man. You know, I, I feel in my spirit that whatever restrictions are going to get loosed where I can come back over and preach there. I felt that last uh, two weeks ago. I've been missing you guys. So I'll take that as, as a sign that you're on today. I'm going to go see my friend Ben. We'll have a huge revival. Awesome, Sue. You're a great translator, Tim, just so you know. I mean, obviously, I'm just being nice because I, I don't speak a word of Dutch, but I felt like you were a good translator. You carry the same spirit. It's not like running my... Some, some translators you have, it's like you're putting yourself through a filter that takes all the good things out. Jesus loves you. Jesus, te amo. And after about eight minutes, you think, like, why am I even trying? If this guy's going to suck the life out of it. So anyway, great job. When you obey God in the tithe and the offering, it loses a blessing. That's why I give you an opportunity to give at the end of every program. It's, it's an action of obedience you can take that means a lot. Your money is your time, your treasure, and your talent wrapped into one thing. It took your time 
to produce that money. It took the best of your talent to make that money. And you take it and give it to God. It's a threefold treasure. So I never, you know, whether we, sometimes we honor God with our time, others with our talent, some with our treasure. No, it's, it's not in the Bible. You should you do all three anyway. But when you sow, you're doing all three because the money represents your time and your talent. When you give, it's so, it's so much bigger than, than what it's been taught. It's, it's, a, it's a sacrifice of obedience done in faith. And anything you do for the Lord, he said, I'll, I'll give you back 100-fold what you give. I don't need your money. But as you obey my command, just like he doesn't need you to go to church, what do you think, God suffers from low self-esteem the next six days if you miss church? He doesn't need, you can't make him any higher. He's already the most high. Every instruction God gives you is for your benefit, not his benefit. He can't be benefited anymore. As soon as you understand that, all of the obedience to what God said becomes a delight particularly the giving. He didn't institute it so he could be blessed. He instituted it so I could be blessed. We're building a church right now in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We're doing it without any loans and without any debt. If you would like to stand with us, to see a Holy Ghost church that will never shut down. Not for COVID, not for snow, not for tornado, not for nuclear war. That church will be open every Sunday. I, I have some uh, special things I'm going to give you as a way of saying thank you because this is a special time in our ministry. We're making the, the biggest move that we've ever made. Testimony. Christopher said, my life has truly turned around 180 since meeting you, and I've been so blessed from your teaching and from all your services. Thank you so much. I can't wait for your church, and I can't wait to see how many more souls you bring to the kingdom of God. I tell everyone about you, and it is on the app. Can you scroll down? I try to bring as many people with me to go see you. Thank you for everything as always. Thank you, Christopher. I've seen you at all the services recently with people. I appreciate that. I'm believing for 500 people that'll sow $1,000. For those that do, as a way to say thank you, I'm gonna send you our brand new Revival Today Kingdom Builders Bible. It's being made right now, and it's gonna have pictures of highlights of Adolis and I's 20 years in evangelism. as a way of saying thank you. Number two, I'm believing for 100 people that will sow at the $5,000 level. Along with the Bible, I will send you a two terabyte hard drive USB port that has all my preaching from 20 years in the ministry. Adalas too. 
and that's new. And then I'm believing for 20 people, businesses, and which we've already had, that'll show at the $10,000 level or higher. And I have a special gift for them. And then I'm believing for heavy hitters that'll do it at the six-figure level or more. To put a Holy Ghost soul-winning church in America that'll touch the world. Thank you, Joanne. Here's the ways you can give. That's awesome, Nick. Nick and Marie. That was a great month in Texas. Hashtag donate on Facebook. Hey, can you change that graphic so that the Venmo's right, so it's at RT Give instead of dollar sign RT Give? You don't have to do it to, like right now, obviously, but for the next time. Hashtag donate on Facebook. You can text RT to 50155. Cash app is dollar sign RT Give. Venmo, at RT Give. PayPal, especially if you're international. God bless you, Jorge. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you, Matariga. God bless you. RevivalToday.com slash PayPal. You can go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now. That has all the ways to give on it, including cryptocurrency. And you can also scan that QR code. You're welcome, Floofy Cat. It's been nice meeting you this week. You seem like a nice person. Or a nice, if you're an actual cat, you're very intelligent. Thanks, Wyona. What well, people wrote such nice things today. You can mail it. Revival Today, P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. Some people prefer to do it over the phone, which you can do that. Even though you won't say SC, I still love you guys. What's that SC, South Carolina? I'll, I'll say South Carolina. I'd say the name of any state. However you give, go to revivaltoday.com. Thanks, Carl. Appreciate that. You're welcome, Ninja Buddha. I go where there's an invitation. I've not had any pastors in South Carolina in invite me. And I haven't felt a leading of the Lord to just throw up a, a tent or whatever and, and go at it. I'm not against coming to any state, but you can't just show up and rip the mic out of someone's hand and start preaching. You can, but it doesn't go over well. However you give, go to RevivalToday.com and click Claim Your Offer. Fill that out completely, and that, that way we're sure when you gave, what you were promised, and where to send it. So don't forget that part. Ask the Holy Ghost what he'd have you to do. Uh, I'm in West Virginia this weekend. New Jersey next weekend. And then a suspicious picture of me in Warner Robins, Georgia, the weekend after that. Wait a minute. I don't think that health secretary is really a woman. 
גם זימי. Somebody wrote, I'm from South Carolina too. No preachers here would like you. <laughs> well, good to know. Very religious people. <laughs> you don't think I'm religious? I'm super religious. Look, I got two Bibles. How could you be more religious than this? Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.